Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Yo, welcome to What's the Hype Podcast. This is your boy, Jay Wade. And I'm Jeff Pope, a.k.a. The Pod Disciple. And this is What's the Hype. What's the Hype? It's helping young people excel. And it's also cutting through all of the hype, the glitz, the glamour that surrounds the sports industry and give tangible insight from our experience and our guests to help you get a better understanding of the business and all that comes with the sports industry. All my life, been grinding all my life, sacrifice, hustle, pay the price, want a slice, got to roll the dice, that's why. All my life, I've been grinding all my life, look. All my life, been grinding all my life, sacrifice, hustle, pay the price, want a slice. So we have an interesting interview today. One of your co-hosts or one of the hosts of What's the Hype podcast. We're going to get into his journey. You know, we're going to go from the beginning up until his, you know, his success in the pro level. So we're going to talk a little bit about that process. So um, let's go ahead and let's just start from the beginning. Uh, you know, a little bit about where you're from, you know, what it was like growing up. Yeah, so I'm from originally here in Houston, Texas. Grew up right over there off of uh, South Brazewood. Um, that's where I grew up as a kid, but then me and my mom moved over in the third ward. Um, did most of my middle school and high school years over there. <clears throat> Went to St. Peter's High School right there off Old Spanish Trail. Went to Mount Carmel High School over there off of uh, Macawa um, in Belfort. Um, so my mom, she was really adamant about me going to private school all of my life just because she was, she was just very nervous, just, you know, like about like all the, you know, gun violence and shootings and things like that. So obviously it's a lot more prevalent nowadays than it was back in the day, but she always kind of had that, like she wanted to be very protective. And then, you know, I grew up Catholic and things like that. So she kind of wanted me in that Catholic school mind space and stuff like that. So she always made me, uh, you know, kept me in there from K to 12. <clears throat> so after going from middle school to high school, you know, my, uh, I wanted to go to public school so bad. Um, tried to convince her, you know, threatened to go live with my dad for a while. My parents are separated. So he, um, he lived over there in spring. So, you know, I always envisioned going to spring high school, which is funny in itself because some of my, uh, boys that I played with in college went to spring high school. So wow. it would have just been kind of weird. If, like we, we thought about that when I talked about it a couple of times and stuff like that. But, um, so yeah, so got to Mount Carmel High School. Um, my main niche was basketball and track. Um, you know, my dad, he's about six six. Um, so I grew up wanting to play basketball. Um, thought I was gonna be tall as him, so you know, played that from Pee Wee all the way up to high school. Um <clears throat> then somewhere around high school I just kinda stopped growing. <laughs> And uh, everybody started growing taller than me. So then, you know, part of me, and then I was always down to try other sports and things like that. So track was always a good thing for me. So I remember my first day of high school, the track coach and the football coach were outside when we're getting out of cars my freshman year, the first day of school. And they're just kind of like semi-recruiting. It's like, hey, you should come play for me. You should come do this for me. Da, 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 da. I had never played football a day in my life. Had, you know, the most I probably played is just, you know, backyard football or, you know, some little touch football and stuff like that. So, um, my coach was just like, yeah, just come, come, come out and just come try out practice. So, 
Took some begging and pleading from my mom to allow me to go out there because she was always she was against it. Um, my dad was, you know, he he supported me. He's like, do what you want to do, play with sports you want to play. Um, but yeah, so went out the very first day. I was trash. <laughs> I had no clue what I was doing. I'm just like, you know, uh, they wanted me to play running back right off the bat. So I don't really know how to read a hole. I don't know how to hit a hole. I'm running straight up like Eddie George. It, it, <laughs> it, it, it was bad. So I remember the very first carry I ever had, um, straight up in the air, get it, go through the hole. I get blasted. My, my chest caved. <laughs> Welcome to football. <laughs> so at that moment, I, I started to contemplate, is this for me? <laughs> <laughs> And it's funny because, like, you see the little memes that are going around now uh, of, like, little football drizzles. Like, this has created the most basketball players ever. <laughs> In that moment, I was like, but, like, all my all my boys in my freshman year, they all were playing ball. So I was like, all right, I'm going to stick it out. So, obviously, once uh, training camp and everything kind of ended, we got separated from the varsity to the JV team. So it kind of made my life a little bit easier. <laughs> So, um, and then that's when I kind of actually started playing a little bit of defense and stuff like that. And I kind of had like, you know, I was just, again, not really sure what I'm doing, but like I was just quick off the end. So they had me at DN just shooting up, just making sacks and things like that. <laughs> Help us understand. So, you you know, ninth grade, how big, how, you know, how tall, weight? So my freshman year, I, I, like I said, I, I, I grew pretty good in middle school. And when I got to my freshman year, I was probably about... Say about 180, 190, somewhere okay. around there. So, um, kind of just got stuck around 510, 511 range there. Um, I just knew I was going to keep growing yeah. the rest of my high school years, but it just didn't work out for I me. I mean, so. as, a, as, a, as a freshman, that's a pre- that's pretty good size. Yeah. And then again, uh, talking about, you know, playing sports, typically, when you first start playing, you're 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 generally going to play offensive line or defensive line. So kind of that being your introduction, they yeah. put you at defensive end because it's you know go get the quarterback yeah, or go exactly. get the ball. So exactly. so tell me a little bit about that that process and then how that end up how how did you end up you know uh, developing and start to understand and developing more of a love for the game. So after my freshman year, I actually quit. <laughs> You quit. <laughs> I quit football. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to just focus straight on basketball. So my dad, he played uh, he played basketball all throughout his life. Um, that was his niche. He had a very bad uh, ankle injury in uh, college. And I kind of always, you know, all his stories he used to tell me, you know, he probably embellished a whole bunch of them. But, you know, I just always had, you know, I, I thought my dad could have been the next Akeem Olajuwon, if, <laughs> if, if anything. So just the way he told the story. So, um, you know, so I always had that dream of playing basketball. So then, you know, after that freshman year, I was just like, eh, I'm not really feeling it. So I was like, I'm sticking with basketball on track. So, but what I didn't count on was that all my friends were still playing football. Mm. And so then that sophomore year, you know, like that first little bit of like the semester, I'm just like, in by a, myself like, in the fall it's not there's nothing going on no, for basketball nothing football going on. is the king that's Correct. where all the attention is Correct. and you know down here in Texas like you know Friday Night Lights is what it, where it's at so exactly. you know everybody's all doing the pep rallies doing this doing that I'm just sitting up in the stands like a regular fan <laughs> I was just like I was like I'm, I, I don't like this I feel I just felt weak so um so then that very next year I was like nah I'm, I can't do this again so I went and played uh, went and played ball so grew up 
uh, part of the places I grew up, I had like a, uh, my apartments, we had a very international uh, community. So it was funny, like all my friends from that community, one was Russian, one was Mexican, one was from India, one was from Germany. So they played a lot of soccer. So, you know, I played a lot of soccer just and I kind of knew a lot of that stuff around there. Um, so it was funny because like I wanted, I played a little bit of soccer um, my freshman and sophomore year too. So with that, I was thinking, it's like, you know what? I'm going to go try and be kicker. So, <laughs> so the, like the, the coach knew that I played soccer. So he was like, yeah, yeah just come try out kicker. So went out and we didn't have a kicker at that time. So I was, I wasn't good, but <laughs> he was the only <laughs> it was option. The, it was the only option that we had. So that's how I originally got back into playing football. I was the punter and I was the kicker. And then on top of that, I went and capitalized. I was like, it was one day somebody on the D and D line got hurt. And then it was like, hey, we need, we need a DN. I was like, oh, yeah, I gotta do it. And so then first game, I get like five sacks. Wow. <laughs> and so then next thing I know, I was like, all right, I'm still doing this. So then, then it like, probably like midway towards my junior year I was like you know what I want to like our running back I hurt so then you know since I had kind of double double that I was like all right and since I was pretty fast I just did sweeps <laughs> I ain't going through the hole just did sweeps <laughs> so that's where I kind of got my first introduction to running back and what's funny is the last thing that I got introduced to but there's the one that I fell in love with the most that position like I just it, it was fun like now that I actually kind of had a bearing of like the game knew how to kind of run through a hole how to run through somebody and things like that you know like you know playing basketball and football are two different sports it's absolutely just, you know, the way you gotta position your body and just kind of be physical with them is just totally different so um, so then going into my senior year was when I became the starter at running back. So I didn't leave the field <laughs> my senior year. So like, you played both ways, I, offense I played and both defense. both ways, mm-hmm. offense, defense. You still I'm the kicking? kicker oh, wow. and the punter. So <laughs> it was funny. So my senior, my senior year, I actually had a pretty good season. And this is where I actually got some letters and some things like that. Um, still wasn't still wasn't sure where I really wanted to go. So again I'm doing this mindset of I want to follow in my dad's footsteps so was gonna go just go to Blinn Junior College and try to feed into like Texas or A&M and things like that because I still didn't think I had enough good tape at running back to uh, walk on to one of these schools I was getting a lot of good letters to play DN but I didn't want to play DN and then at the same time like I kind of figured I was gonna stop growing as well <laughs> so I knew I'd just be kind of like one of those short DN <laughs> that oh yeah this has potential then I'd stop growing and I'd just kind of get surpassed in size and stuff like that so um, wanted to go to Blend Junior College but my best friend in high school randomly was like hey like I'm going to play basketball at the school in Iowa. Do you want to go? I'm like, Iowa? Where is that even on the map? <laughs> I had no clue. I had even, like, you know, you hear Iowa. I was like, is it, like, up in the Dakotas areas? Or, like, I didn't know where it was. So so I was like, heck no, I'm not doing it. So I was like, you know what? If you fill out my application, I'll consider it. He filled out my registration and my application and sent it in for me. And so then next thing I know, I get a phone call from the coach. He's like, hey, send me some info, uh, send me some tape on you. Next day, he called me back. He's like, we got a spot for you. <laughs> and that was my... <laughs> now, was this basketball or football? This is for football. This okay. For football, yeah. So a guy who just started to understand the game, mm-hmm. you know, started to play the game, not having, you know, much opportunity yeah. to now you get an opportunity to go to a college up in Iowa. So kind of tell us a little bit about the college, the university, and just kind of your transition. Yeah, so um, it, it 
it, it was a smaller NAIA school. Um, so, you know, we're not D1 or D2, but we're bigger than D3 schools. Um, so we kind of like fit right in there. So like, you know, I have NCAA, you have NAIA for those who don't know the difference and stuff like that. So they're allowed scholarships and things like that. The unique thing with our school, and I'm still to this day hazy on how this happens, but I I swear to you, probably like 90% of the people there were athletes. <laughs> like, I don't know how, like, it was just, that's how we got funding and they kept building facilities and things like that. And so, but now, you know, there's a good mix. You know, we got a band and like other academics. Sounds like Independence, you on. Yeah, but it, it, it's, it's Juco. Yeah, it's crazy just like how everybody, and then, you know, obviously Iowa, you know, we're in small town, Oskaloosa, Iowa. Um, you know, that was just a shock. Like, I'd never been in like super rural area ever. So, my first experience, you know, we get land in the airport, land in Des Moines. So it's about a good hour from Oskaloosa. So it's funny. I met the only two other guys that I saw at the airport that were black. We instantly gravitated to each other. And we're just like, you going to Penn? Yeah, I'm going to Penn. So like, you know, they had a van come pick us up. So we, you know, we just talking it for a good little bit before the van got there. Then we all got in the van. I swear to you, this van ride seemed like it was like four hours. Like, <laughs> you know how you just nod off, wake back up? not off wake back up um that's what happened the first little bit and like on the highway there's nothing but cornfields and like just uh all sorts of um ranches and farms and stuff so that's all you're seeing that whole ride there so i had no clue where i am <laughs> so you didn't take you didn't you didn't visit before you I did not flew into des moines so not. you had no not. idea what you was getting yourself into not. all i had was the brochures <laughs> that i could find online so it, it was kind of impulsive um because just to circle back a bit it was probably two months before camp was to start when I filled out all this application um, wow. information and stuff like that so because I had already committed I had already had my dorm room set up at Blinn all those things and then once I got the scholarship and I was just going to go try and walk on there um, but then when you know they threw money at me I was like well I'm going to go take the scholarship so, right, <laughs> so right. that's what I, I did so so get there um, my boy that played basketball you know he came with the regular school season came around so you know we're up there for camp so I'm all alone and it was it was the scariest yet awesome feeling ever just to be you know somewhere like conquering something yourself and just kind of figuring it out yourself so you know just kind of getting the mix of football and things like that so um found my Texas boys that I was talking about from spring and uh we instantaneously just kind of gravitated each other because right. I was like you know I'm wearing my Astros hat and it's like oh you from you from Houston? It's like, yeah, I'm from Houston. So then we found a way out from Houston. So then those, those are my boys I rocked with all the college. So um, your mom, just to, not to cut you off, but your mom obviously, you know, didn't want you to play football, right? Correct. So she kind of tried her best to keep you away from that. Yep. So not only do you go to college to, to play football, <laughs> but you're going to Iowa. Yeah, exactly. Please like, tell me what was that? <laughs> Like for her, so, so for my mom, it was more of she's more of a she's always supported me in my dreams, no matter how much she doesn't like us. She's a very supportive mother. Um, my dad's my dad's supportive too, but he's more of you know he'll think more of the on the practical end. So obviously, you know if I wouldn't have got that scholarship, he was like, why are you paying out of state taxes and all these things to go 
do something in Iowa when you can do it here in Texas, mm-hmm. you know, for way less money. So he has, he's more practical in that aspect. Um, as far as um, being away from home, my mom has always wanted me to kind of just get, not get out the house in a bad way, but more of like she knew that's the best way to learn is to okay. go conquer on your own where you can't come home every weekend, can't wash your clothes, can't get home cooked meals. Like, no, you, you're going to go figure it out yourself become a man figure all these things out and things like that so it was it was very uh you know just kind of a big shock where I was like oh I've gotten all these things done for me all this time now all of a sudden I got to do it all myself so it does make you adjust really quick so but um yeah so went through camp and you know just my first experiences with college ball was just pretty awesome like it was just a lot of fun um you know obviously like my freshman year I read I registered in my freshman year and then the last four years I played and, you know, I, uh, I was on the active roster and traveled and I uh, started like my, I think I didn't start till like my sophomore or junior year. Um, but yeah, so it was, it was a great time. Like I said, like it was just, it, I was just, you know, the town we were in, <laughs> it was super small. Once school year ended, it, it's a ghost town. Like all you have is just straight townies and stuff like that. So and it's funny because like we always like talk about like oh you have townies or people who are in college, but you could tell who's from there even if they're young. Um, and so there was three bars in the whole town. Wow. So <laughs> basically, you know, we either drove an hour to Des Moines if we wanted to go out, or an hour and a half to Iowa City, um, where the University of Iowa is, um, if we ever. And there was plenty of times where we made missions to Iowa City at like eight, nine o'clock at night, and the mission was to like, all right how can we stay out here the rest of the night instead of having to drive back to Oskaloosa in the middle of the night. So, um, but yeah, it was great times. Like you said, since it was so small, you had a lot of camaraderie with the guys there. You had a lot of house parties, a lot of things where like you're, you're spending more time with these guys than you would at a normal university just because it's less people. So I, it, you know, it was, it was something I thought I'd never do, but after the fact and like you know as bad as sometimes you think we're so you know when you're young you're just like oh so boring here there's nothing to do da 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 but I wouldn't trade it for the world so for for people who have never experienced no parts of Iowa you've given us kind of a visual but tell me a little bit about Des Moines and Iowa City kind of obviously more of a college town yes so 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 Des Moines the the capital of uh, Iowa that's that's where you know everybody fly that's I, I guess you can I wouldn't say a international airport but that's where the big airport is um and then I mean you had a smaller one in Cedar Rapids um that's where the University of Iowa so you have I uh Des Moines and Ames is on the outskirts of Des Moines um and that's where Iowa State is and then University of Iowa um which is more east Iowa um that's where the University of Iowa is and yeah it's a big party town I mean just big college town sorry um and so, you know, you that's that's where you live the college life. And for Iowa, since it is such a small state, they don't have any professional teams. They live, die, breathe Iowa, Iowa State. When they have their Iowa, Iowa State game every year, it's like the Super Bowl up there for them. Um, it, it It is really crazy. And it's just kind of nuts to see how passionate it, it, it's, it's awesome because like that's that's their team. Like. They, they they root for them ride or die like you know when uh i think it was one year when iowa was actually i think they made it 
top, I think they made it to like number six on the uh, FBS charts and stuff like that. Like people were going nuts and, you know, like when they lose, they're pissed off, <laughs> they're all getting mad and stuff like that. I think recently once uh, Iowa State, there was in a tournament, you know, you just, it was crazy watching the watch parties and just like look at my social media feed and just like how passionate and just things I love. So it, it it is cool to see that Midwest vibe of like, who they root for and their teams when they don't have a professional team to root for and things like that. I mean, I always uh, <clears throat> wonder how the University of Iowa continue to just get recruits up there. It was a time where they were recruiting heavy from Florida. They would have one or two guys from Florida every year. Iowa State, the same thing. Um, I just had no idea what was out there. Um, other than going to Des Moines and Iowa City, did you ever visit any of the, the the neighboring states and, you know, maybe go home with some of the people that you went to school with that was from the, somewhere close by, any of those type of experiences? So, uh, outside of Chicago, which isn't that far, I think it's maybe a three-hour drive from um, where I was in Oskaloosa. So, outside of that, anywhere surrounding areas... I went to was more because we had games in them. We had games in Nebraska. We had games in Indiana. Um, we had games in uh, Missouri, things like that. But <clears throat> for outside of that, I didn't really do too much. I think maybe I ventured down to Kansas City for like a game or so, and that's maybe a four-hour drive. Um, Minneapolis isn't far, but I never ventured up that way. I know a lot of people will go up there just for the mall. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> like we had a... So the big mall that we had is in Des Moines because obviously that's where everybody wants to go is when they get to Des Moines. You know, there's like little shopping centers in these little small towns. Like for those of who know about a small town life, <laughs> your shopping center is Walmart. Um, it's, it, it, was, it was really cool to see that. But then is at the same time you do think about it. It's like, well, you know, this place has kind of taken over some of the mom and pop shops and things like that. But it's... And Walmart's not in every town either. Like, they have this big super Walmart that was in Oskaloosa. So people from neighboring towns, maybe like 50 miles to maybe like 50 to 100 miles sometimes, probably drive to Oskaloosa each weekend just to come get their weekly allocation of groceries and all stuff. So, like, that was the running joke. Don't go to Walmart on Saturdays because it is slammed in there with people. So it it, it, it is just crazy to see that type of life and just kind of see experiences how you know you gotta you know me or here in houston i can go to any store any day any day of the week probably and find it open but you know it's down the street for me you know people driving 60 something plus miles just exactly come get groceries and things like that so it was very interesting it's a whole different way of life yeah what was your favorite place in in in, Iowa, in Iowa, that maybe you, you would go eat somewhere you were frequent. Uh, so probably the the fun, the best place we probably had was Panda Garden. There was, <laughs> I know, who thinks there's a, a Chinese restaurant in uh, middle of nowhere Iowa, but there was this great Chinese place. Um, and we all, me and my buddies, we'd always be like, da da da, where were we doing, where were we eating like? Let's go to Panda Garden. We they knew us by name. We had like a little section just because we were in there so frequently and it was a little buffet style so and then Fridays were the best day because they had like crab legs in there <laughs> so we're going there for the crab legs and tear it I'm sure we we made some families mad just because we took all the crab legs every Friday and stuff like that but um, that was probably the best spot to go 
for just like food and stuff like that. Um, I mean, obviously, if we want to go party and anything, we go up to Iowa City and kind of mill around there. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about you know about your your team now. Uh, any guys that were pretty good? Any guys that got opportunities? Kind of, you know, give me a little bit of. Uh, was your team good at all? So my freshman and so so I redshirt my redshirt uh, freshman year and then my tr- uh, my true freshman year and my redshirt freshman year um, we were garbage <laughs> we I think we maybe had four wins those two seasons um, and then my going into my redshirt sophomore year we had our first winning season and apparently this was the first winning season that uh, they had had in over I. I want to say at least they said about 20 years. Wow. And that that blew my mind. And obviously, like, it was just kind of crazy thing. I was like, how do you not have a winning season in over 20 years? And, like, how, like, who, how are you getting people to go if you haven't had a winning season in 20 years? Um, so then, so my redshirt sophomore year, um, we, uh, we ended up getting a, a JUCO coach by the name of Stephen Miller. Um, he was actually uh, on Last Chance U. I think it was the third, second or third season um, for one of the smaller Eastern Mississippi schools. Um, and basically, he recruited a little heavily from Mississippi and then, you know, brought some more Texas boys in and stuff like that. And we had some, we had a great D-line and some killer linebackers at that point in time. Um, so played with um, Snacks, Damon Harrison. He's currently with the Detroit Lions. Um, and then... Uh, Chris Austin, he uh, he's living out in uh, San Francisco right now, and then Chris Ruff, like they were they were they were they were all monsters. Um, so yeah, they were big, fast, and you know just straight from the woods of Mississippi and things like that. So like you know they they had they had some really good. We had some really we went from not having tons of athletes to probably having the most athletic roster in our conference. <clears throat> wow, so. How does a guy, you know, uh, it, it reminds me so much of Last Chance U, like you say. So this guy started to recruit guys and get these guys to yeah. come up to the school when, when you, you know, with guys that have talent that is of a snack Harrison, right? Yeah. So, so, so was it something, did you, did you know at that time he had potential to, to become this all pro so NFL player? He, he did. He definitely did. I, you know, obviously coming from NAI school, they always tell you, it's like, Hey, like you have to dominate, dominate in game and game. And you can't, you know, like if you're at a big D one university, you know, and those guys get scrutinized, but like, you know, you can have an off game here or there for at a D one school, but like for NAI, you have to be on every single game. And he, like, I swear he was taking on, quadruple teams half the time sometimes because <laughs> you know he was just so big and he's just a monster and you know like his story is a little uh, different because like i know he played basketball at one point he had some injuries and stuff like that so that's why he ended up going to juco's and then kind of came over to william penn with coach miller and so uh so yeah when he got there then he was fully healthy and then like he's just dominating the d-line so our linebackers are just ra- raining havoc on people because like they can't block. They can't. They have to use everyone to block him, mm-hmm. and everybody else is just kind of going at it. So, um, and then at the same time, you know, we got a, a couple of good receivers, and uh, we actually had a. There was actual local guy. Um, 
by Ryan Van Dalen. He was our quarterback, and um, once he got there, and like he was, he was pretty good in Oskaloosa. He was kind of getting recruited by uh, Iowa and stuff like that. But he wanted to stay local. He wanted to stay around his family. So once we got all those pieces together, we started raining havoc. Um, we changed our uh, system. I think we went from a pro style and we went to like the triple option. So we had, we were stacked at running back. So it was like, we went in rotation. It was like a good six of us. And we just kept, we stayed fresh, just running like triple options and like, you know, two of us on the field at a time. So we, we had, we, we, it was some good years that year. So, um, made it all the way to legitimately, it was up to the conference game. This would have been the first conference championship we'd have won probably since like, 50s or 60s um it's a game against quincy um i'll never forget this and we call it the mud bowl because we had this weird oval shaped field just because the way the field was so old and you know this we played in the high school community stadium mm-hmm. um and then it's the dead of winter so i i mean if you don't know about iowa, iowa winners it's 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 cold <laughs> you got you know, it, you know how they always talk about the frozen tundra up in green bay that's how i kind of equivocated to um but so, you know, with the sprinkler system, it just kind of made this little bubble on the field. So it's kind of like at one point, at some points, if you're like going towards the sideline, you're like running downhill. It, it was kind of crazy. Um, but anyways, this whole game, it was just, it was, it snowed a couple of days before and then we tore up the field. So then it's just muddy. So obviously it was, it was pretty good for us running a triple option, you know, because like, you know, we're just running the ball. Um, we get down. You know, the game is close the whole time. We get down right before uh, we're getting the ball back, I think maybe like with a minute left. Um, we're about to get a punt return. Um, and then our our returner just muffed. The, he, he had muffed ever. I had never seen a muff in practice, games, ever. He ended up muffing the, uh, the return, and they ended up recovering right there on our uh, 20-yard line. So they just ran down the clock, kicked a field goal to win, and that was kind of like the end of my uh, college years. <laughs> so, yeah, heartbreaker, it, it was man. a heartbreaker for that one. So, um, But the very next year, they ended up winning the conference and then getting deep into the playoffs and stuff like that. So I was happy for them boys. But that was, that one hurt because I had never, um, you know, my high school years, we, we were garbage. So, you know, I didn't really have much winning seasons there. Then finally get up to a winning point and just kind of just kind of fell flat. So. That was kind of the end of my college career at that point. <laughs> Man, what a heartbreaker. So let's go from, you, 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 so you, you graduate, um, what, what, what was your degree in? So I graduated uh, with a sociology, criminology, psychology degree. Um, all so, of the ologies. <laughs> all the ologies. <laughs> um, so at one point, I'm pretty sure I watched way too much CSI, um, and I wanted to be a criminal investigator. So I wanted to do all the things to be a criminal investigator. I took all the uh, electives and all the um, all my major classes that I needed. I was done by that because I, I was taking like 18-hour classes. Um, and I was done by midway my junior year. So then I was just started taking a bunch of electives. Um, so then towards that point, I kind of started feeling like, I was like eh, I'm not really feeling this. So then I was thinking about getting into sports medicine. So uh, I worked in the training room. Just I just did it just for a job. Didn't have no interest in doing it but then towards that junior year once I started getting there I was like you know what I could still I could do this I like this so I started looking to see what all everything took to go to ATC school um towards my senior year they said I needed one more class 
which didn't get offered to the very next spring. So I had to stay a whole semester to get back to that spring to take that class to get into ATC school. Then at that point, I was like, nope, don't want to don't want to stay here no more. So I was just, just racking my brain. I was like, what do I want to do? What do I want to do? And I was like, well, I still want. So then that spring, they actually brought in a sports management professor. Um, so I just kind of chit-chatted with him. Uh, and then he just kind of told me, and this is the first view that I started thinking about. I was like, oh, yeah, like, there's the business side of sport never thought about it like all the behind the scenes things i was, I was thinking i was like yeah that, like that'd be pretty cool to do so so then at that point i was like you know what like instead of trying to stay on for this i was like let's go get my master's degree so was all looking trying to find sports management programs in different places um ended up deciding on a program in the university of san francisco applied got in everything everything set um, there's one random night. I, I, it was at least like maybe like three o'clock in the morning, like something, something triggered me to like, think about like stuff overseas. Um, so then next thing I started looking, I was like, well, let's apply for thing. Let's apply for some schools overseas. Applied, applied for this one program. So it was a dual degree program, you know, just kind of like laughed at it after I submitted. I was like, what, what chance do I have to get into a program overseas? Come back a couple weeks later, then they like send me a acceptance letter, and I'm just like, "Well, I guess I gotta go now." <laughs> so I literally called back, called the University of San Francisco, I was like, "Hey, da da da, appreciate the placement, but I'm gonna go to London." Then at this point, uh, this is probably November. Classes started in January, so I'm scrambling. I was like, "Well, gotta find some loan money to get <laughs> overseas and all these things." I know nothing about London. I know nothing about international laws. Never been out the country at this point. So, screw that. Two months was crazy trying to scramble. Uh, so, was this why you still were was in yeah, Iowa? Or had still, you came I, back? I was home? still in Iowa. Okay. Um, so then, eventually, I left Iowa that December, like probably like the beginning of December. Went home for Christmas. Uh, went home for all of December, Christmas. I was home for about a month. I left January 11th to move overseas. So you had no, 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 no uh, relationships with anybody in London. You had no friends over there. You just say, "Hey, I'm." So it was, seems like more of a recurring theme. Like you know, you go from 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 Houston to Iowa, <laughs> no idea what to expect. I know. Now you're like, so what? What was the draw that wanted that 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 you saw in London like as an opportunity it was it was more of just like something like and this is what I'm starting to find out about my life and I'm still figuring out where it's like I I I like being out of my comfort zone um as comfortable as things are as well as things are going sometimes getting a fresh new start somewhere new somewhere that challenges you is just like it's it it it's exhilarating to me um so just having that experience I was like yeah let's go here let's go let's go meet like you know, I know nothing. You know, the most I know probably about Europe was probably like watching Taken. <laughs> you know, so I have these bad experiences that I'm seeing on movies. Now I'm just like, ah, like, do I need to make sure I got a knife on me or whatever? Like, but obviously I'm a big guy, so like nobody's gonna try to attack me. But you know, it's just, it, it was just a very, very um, scary yet fun time. So the first two weeks that I got there, you know, my dad came with me for the first week. Um, but then he left back and classes didn't start for another week. So that one week I was just like, 
you know, I got my, I got my housing and stuff like that. And, and, you know, I'm just living in the streets by myself. I'm going to tourist, tourist sites by myself, just like, you know, trying to do all the touristy things, just walking around, have no clue. Went to a pub, just talking to random people, you know, and he's like, yeah, yeah, you know, things you probably shouldn't do. He's like, yeah, yeah, I'm from America. I, I don't know anybody here, <laughs> you know, so probably a little bit too trusting in that manner, but everybody was friendly. Everybody was awesome, you know, and it was just cool to be the foreigner like you know i'm the foreigner there where everybody's like oh where are you from da, da, da. oh texas you know everybody thinks of friday night lights or or cowboys or trucks and things like that so um so then once school started actually you know got kind of got my feet going and i was like all right met some people which is funny when i saw them i saw a group of people um in the housing office and i saw them and i heard them and i was like oh they're american but didn't think to talk to them um i was like you know, again, I don't know how big this, uh, how big, you know, this university is and if they're going to be in my class or anything like that. So I didn't even bother. So then come to find out they're in all my classes. They're in the same program that I'm in. I'm in. And, you know, master's program is a little bit different. You're all in the same together. So it was just kind of cool with the fact that like, all right, I've seen these people. It, it, the only bummer was, it was like, oh, we could all live together. <laughs> like that would have been the cool thing. So, you know, we went through classes and everything like that. Um, and then, you know what, this is the first true time that I hadn't played sports. Um, just kind of just, you know, we had class three days a week, um, had a Monday class, a Tuesday class, like at 8am and then a Thursday class at like 1pm. That was it. Rest of the time, you know, and then London style of learning is a lot different. You don't really have homework. It's more of like projects or self teaching. So they'll tell you, like, Hey, yeah, read chapters one through three. And then we'll discuss it in class, but there's not like a quiz or homework or anything like that. There's just one big exam at the very end and you have that and then you have two projects. That is your whole grade. So if you fail an exam or if you do bad on a project, you're failed. So it was it was very interesting just to kind of see that whole new aspect of learning and just like making you, you actually got to put forth an effort or you'll fail. But with all this extra free time, um, you know, it was just, uh, with all this extra free time, it was just like weird just to be able to, uh, you know, not have sports or anything in my background. So, um, this is where I started to think about, you know, finding like a rec league or something like that. And, uh, with all this time, I ended up, you know, finding a team called the London Blitz. Um, I was just genuinely Googling a, t a team just to, um, play you know, flag football or something like that. Um, but then I found a legit team. So, um, and then, yeah, it was, that's, that's it from there. But what's up hype family. Thanks again for listening to another episode of what's the hype podcast. But if you haven't heard about anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenerships. So you don't even have to have a big audience. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. So was this a professional league? Yeah, it was a, it was a pro league. Um, so... Uh, ended up emailing the coaches like, hey, da-da-da, you know, like, used to play, da-da-da. So I went out to a tryout and things like that. Um, they ended up emailing me back, went out, um, went to one practice, and I scored, like, 
seven touchdowns. <laughs> Who cares? And so like it was, it was. So then right on the spot, they was like, yeah, you got to play some tape. So um, it, it's a pro league, but it's a European system. So basically, you can only have a certain number of Americans on your team. Um, there's different skill levels at all positions. Um, so you know you'll have some people who could possibly play at the next level, but then you'll have other people who probably have the equivalent of maybe like a D3, maybe still a high school level of play. Um, So it was just kind of, you know, obviously the line is kind of the biggest, you know, hindrance, you know, just certain techniques they haven't learned. And next thing you have some big guys on the line, but, you know, they just don't have certain technique, blocking techniques and thing, and then overall skill. Because most of the guys like that came up with me, they hadn't started playing to maybe like they were like 18 maybe in their 20s and stuff like that so a lot of these guys you know they now they've played for a while but they hadn't played but now there's a lot of these teams around uh europe that are putting all these youth teams in place so now you know with now with time and the advancement of technology and you can actually see the nfl games online and all this other stuff you know they start uh that development they, a lot earlier. They're getting their development a lot earlier and stuff like that. So it's kind of cool to see these U teams and like a lot of guys are now, you know, at universities and like a lot of guys are starting to get over here to, uh, there's actually one of our uh, youth guys is now actually on a new episode, the new uh, season of Last Chance U, which is pretty funny. I, I, I can't call his name at the moment, but it's funny. I saw people tweeting about him the other day. I was like, oh, that's cool. It was like, we got you. Um, I mean, it's a lot of international. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of uh, development happening. The yeah. NFL is obviously playing games in London, so of course, naturally, guys are going to want to know more about that. How long did you end up? How long did you end up playing over there? So I played over there for about three years. Um, we ended up winning. Uh, it was a great time. Um, we ended up winning. You, you're bouncing around Europe, so I mean, you have your domestic leagues and you have your European leagues. Um, so if you know how the Champions League kind of works. Um, for soccer so basically you win your domestic league then you get put into the international tournament but you don't get put into it to the very next year so my first year we're already playing playoff games in the international tournament because they won the domestic season the year before so we're playing playoff games now we end up winning the whole thing so we won the european championship my first year there. wow and that was just amazing so like i said like going from like the lowest of the low, losing by field goal to now all of a sudden I'm a European champion. I was like, oh, this is awesome. Um, to then the very next, then, you know, as soon as we won that, we're back in the regular season of our domestic <laughs> uh, season. So it was, it was kind of weird because like the first couple of games we kind of like sputtered back because, you know, it's like, you know, we're, we're on a high. Then we're just like, oh, we got to still play. <laughs> Stuff like that. So, so no off season, yeah, just that, right. It was just right into it. So, wow. you know, the, uh, so it's right. It, the season's during the summer. Um, so they'll probably start up around um, like January and then kind of go through the whole summer. And then we're like finishing up around. Uh, it's kind of like right at the same opposite time of uh, the NFL season. Gotcha. So. Um, so, yeah, so did that for three years. Um, <clears throat> you know, there's some actually some good good guys that are coming from these European leagues and stuff like that. Um, played against a few uh, guys. Um, 
what's his name? What's the running back from Philly right now? Jay Ajayi. Jay Ajayi. He he was over there for a little bit, and I seen him in the youth leagues and stuff like that until he made it to the league and stuff like that. Um, and then there's a couple of uh, receivers. and But you get a lot of guys who come from big D1 schools. You know, they just, you know, if they don't want to play CFL teams, like um, they'll come over to Europe and, you know, they're just treated like kings, you know, because they're like one of a few. And so they're able to pay them, give them housing, all these different things. So, you know, they're living life. I have a, a college quarterback, Jimmy Russell, who, in fact, did that, went over to play uh, in leagues in Europe, and he's ne- he said he's never coming back to the States. He lived there full-time, yeah, so yeah. now he's even coaching in those leagues. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, very true and um, interesting. So, um, After I graduated from grad school, um, moved back from London, back to here to Houston, um, that's when I was really, all right, like, how do I get in here? And I was just kind of just trying to go to job fairs, things like that. Um, and it was funny, it was like, I kept applying to stuff online, never heard anything back. And, you know, at that point, it just gets a little, it gets a little monotonous, it gets a little depressing. And you're just like, oh, like how many, how many positions I got to apply to? And then mo- for the majority of it, it's, you know, obviously right out of college, you know, all right, I kind of intern. You think like, oh yeah, I interned for like a week or a couple of weeks, but then you don't realize, oh no, they want you to do a year, maybe two years in some instances of internships. And then, um, for some places I saw were like unpaid things where you're just like, oh, how am I going to do that? So, um, it really does kind of just make you just like take a step back and it's like, Hey, like realize you got to really kind of sacrifice if you really want to be in sports. Um, so at that point it was just going to job fairs and the last job fair that I didn't want to go to, my mom actually made me go. She's like, go to the job fair. And it was with the Texans. Um, it was a dream job. Um, so at dream job, we were, you know, we, they run you through the whole mill. They're sitting up there talking about, like, oh, you can do this with sports. And, you know, it, again, this was probably, like, the sixth job fair that I've been to. And there's just, you know, you just kind of give that same spiel. You see everybody just kind of just bombard all the people there. And you're just like, I'm one of two, three hundred. And you're just like, like, how how am I ever going to break through? It, but you got to keep that faith. You really do. You just got to keep Keep the faith because it only takes one person to notice you. Absolutely. It only takes one person to notice you. And, you know, just, just have confidence when you're talking just in your resume. It's like, and don't, you know, don't be a suck up. Like that, that's the thing you hear. Like you can just see it where everybody's just trying to like do too much. And you're just like, no, just be yourself. If they're interested in you, they will contact you. Um, so then what was funny because like I actually um, didn't get, uh, there was just like a little part-time game day position. Um, and it was actually with their community department. They called me back like maybe like a day later because I had just applied. I was like, oh, yeah, I just want to volunteer. And that's the thing. Don't ever be afraid to volunteer. Don't if you, if you really want it, you'll volunteer to do it. And it was just game day. So it wasn't that big of a commitment. It's like, hey, I get to come on game days, be at a Texans game and just volunteer. Like, I was like, why not? So kind of put my name in the hat for that. And they actually called me back. But when I left, I left the actual upstairs part where everybody was mingling. I'm walking down the escalator and then just kind of ran into this bubbly lady and I'll never forget it. We just started talking. Didn't know who she was. We were just talking while we were going down the escalator. Um, her name was Holly Daigle. And uh, we were just sitting up talking and like, she's such a nice lady. And we we're just kind of just, she's asking me how I enjoyed the dream job. I honestly thought she was part of the dream job. I thought she was there for a job too. So we were just talking, da, da, da. Um, eventually she tells me she was the, 
she's over um, the Battle Red, um, which is their part-time game day operations. Um, so um, after we had talked for maybe like 15, 20 minutes, that's when she tells me this. And I'm like, oh, no, now I'm like, oh, now, now I got nervous. I was like, well, I've been talking to you for 20 minutes like normal. Now I'm like, oh, maybe this person can give me a job. You know, you just start overthinking things. But um, she got my contact information, and then she actually got me in the in the door for an interview. And that was huge. And then once I got into the interview, I kind of just, you know, was myself, and then my credentials kind of spoke for themselves. I did a good interview. Ended up becoming part of Battle Red. So, so tell tell for people who don't no, what is Battle Red? So Battle Red was just a part-time game day, uh, an event position. So basically, majority, we just were extra hands, extra bodies on majority game days. Game days were kind of mandatory in any type of an event that um, that the Texans hosted. So if there was a corporate event, if there was a marketing event, um, anything. So as far as like uh, Texans radio, then they need extra hands to help out with there. Um, they'll have uh, Texans Fridays where you go out to, you know, different sponsor partners, kind of just kind of help out with activations um, on game day. You know, we'll have, we kind of manage the um, sponsor area in the fan zone. So, you know, set up like inflatables and like the kind of the kids zone areas, the sponsorship activation areas, things like that. So we're just kind of, it was a great experience definitely for just if you want to start there. But, you know, at the same time, it was hard work. Um, it's not as, like, right off the bat, it's not as, you're not on the sidelines with right, the players. Right, You probably have zero to maybe less than 1% chance of actually seeing or meeting a player at that point in time. Um, so it it does take you back. If you're thinking, like, oh, this is it, I'm I'm going to be on the team. Career has started. Yeah. <laughs> then you thought wrong. You still got to move your way up from there. Um, and that's where I thought. I was like, hey, I don't care. I'll do the grunt work. I, I would just want to make a name for myself. Um, the unique thing about Battle Red was because you do get to, met, you get to meet and work with whole different departments throughout the organization. You know, people notice your hard work. Mm -hmm. um, you know, again, just be yourself, work hard. People will notice you. Um, you know, obviously there are some people who, you know, try to like do the most, try to talk themselves up. But if you don't do the work, you're not going to be seen. And I, that's my biggest thing where I'm like, I'd rather do my work. People people talk about, like, oh, I want that guy because I know he's going to work hard versus in trying to talk myself up. Like, obviously, yeah, you got to, network and kind of meet people so people actually know who you are but don't suck up the work speaks for itself um so i did that for about two seasons um it was kind of a good chance for me because at that same time i still kind of had that same dream of still trying to play obviously coming back from playing in europe i'm like all right that's good i can make the nfl now so it was great because i could kind of pick the events that i wanted to choose uh work at um the only thing that was kind of mandatory was a few um big, big events such as running of the bulls, um, which is kind of their 5k race, um, draft party, and then obviously game day. Um, all the other events, you know, just kind of pick and choose. And then the better you are, you get, you know, people want you for their team. So like bigger events are like taste of Texas, which was kind of a big corporate event, got to help out with those things and stuff like that. So that was a lot of fun. Texans radio is kind of like a little prestigious event where it's just like you and Mark Vanderveer, DP get to like hang out with those guys and help them out. Um, so then after I did that, um, kind of moved into a, uh, the marketing internship. So did that marketing events. So worked with, um, the director of marketing. So basically I was in charge of setting up all the, um, 
uh, activations for the grassroots events, helped out with all the youth football clinics and the Gatorade Junior Training Camps, helped out with cheer tryouts and things like that. So I had a bigger role in planning these events and kind of had a bigger hand on game day of helping out with um, on-field activations and on uh, halftime performances and things like that. And draft uh, day three draft where you get to hang out with uh, certain celebrities if they're doing... Um, announcing the draft picks and things like that. So that was really cool. That was that was where you really was like, all right, hey, you can see the potential where this can go. Um, after that, I really wanted to move over into operations. So operations um, works more directly with the um, actual team. So, you, you know, you have the business side of sports and then you have the football side of sports. So, you know, the marketing, the corporate, you're dealing with sponsors, you're doing all the activations, things like that. You have that side of the world. And now you have the operations of what's actually working. You're going to practice every day. You're going on the road with the team and things like that. And that's where I really wanted to get into. So going into that, how likely was it for someone to come from the business side <laughs> to get an opportunity to then work actually on the football side. Very, 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 very slim. Slim to none. Um, and it, it, it's it's just unfortunate. It's part of the thing where sometimes it's who you know versus what you can do. Um, you know, a lot of people on that side are, you know, uh, friends of families, friends of coaches, friends of GMs, scouts, things like that. Um, so they'll they'll usually kind of get that opportunity. Um, not saying it's impossible, but it's still very, very um, slim. And you really have to be in the right place at the right time sometimes to get those opportunities. I so happen to just kind of, I talk to people. I'm a talker. I'm like a social butterfly. I like to meet people, things like that. Um, I was willing to, so after I did my marketing internship, I was willing technically to take a step back, which was back down to Battle Red um, because I wanted to really be on operations. So after my marketing internship, I spoke, um, and obviously I had um, recommendations from the director of um, marketing and um, Holly, and like they gave me good recommendations to the director of operations at that time. And basically, he gave me an opportunity to be a training camp intern. So basically, basically, all I was guaranteed was maybe those six, six weeks, weeks. <laughs> in the summer just to come out to training camp. And that was it. So went from a marketing internship to a training camp internship, which was great. But then after that six weeks is over, then... I had nothing again. So I went back to Battle Red, which was just kind of just game day position. So, But it but, was still a strategic plan of yep. just, you know, getting your foot in, exactly. right, to kind exactly. of display your ability. Exactly. And at the cost of, you know, ultimately taking, taking, taking a step yep, back. Taking a step back. And, and it was definitely worth it for me. Um, you know, some people say, like, uh, like I don't want to do that just because it, it was, you know, it, especially at that point in time, you know, starting to get older. I'm at that 26, 27-year-old age, and I'm just like, oh, like I got to take another step back. I was an intern. Now I'm below an intern again. And it's like just to take that step, take that one step forward, take that two steps back. But um, it was definitely worth it because that six weeks, I busted my butt. Um, didn't complain. I just did what I needed to do, kept my head down, just kind of worked. Um, again, like talking and networking, yes, for sure. But showcasing your work is the most important thing. You know, like, hey, once you learn the routine, don't wait to be told. Just go and do it. Right. If you know, like simple things as just uh, the biggest thing was, you know, uh, the players would just throw Gatorade bottles on the field. 
once I realized, hey, they want people to pick those things up, as soon as I saw a Gator bottle, I'm picking it up. It, it's very small things, but people noticed. Um, simple things is being on time for player shuttles. Like we drove the player shuttles from the hotel to the stadium, you know, making sure that players aren't just sitting out there waiting and then, you know, they're, yeah, you're 15 minutes earlier than you're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. You know, just having that little mindset of just kind of going up and beyond. And that's kind of that's kind of how I was noticed, and that's kind of how I got my progression. So from there, after training camp was over, um, the director of operations let me know. He's like, hey, like, we'd love for you to come back in the following season, things like that. So I was stoked. So he let, so again, took that step back, went back to Battle Red. Um, but then the following season, came back. He's like, hey, I'm just giving you another six weeks. That's it. Okay, let's do it. Did it. After that training camp, um, soon as we, you know, we got done, see, uh, the season's about to start. Usually at this point, this is when all the training camp interns leave. He told me, he's like, hey, I want you to stay on as our seasonal intern. So I was like, great. So, But that's only three days a week. I come in on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, well, four days. Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Um, depending if it was on the road, I'd just be to that Saturday. If I was at home, I'd work the Sunday game days. Um, so those are the days I would come in. Um, again, so at this point in time, I have even more time than I did before when I was even on Battle Red. So, um, and, you know, so I kind of picked up extra side jobs. I was working at the bars, doing Uber, things like that at that point in time. Um, so then at this point, the seasonal intern was very crucial because everybody the the transition process usually comes from that position but nothing is guaranteed you still gotta prove it's it's a everyday prove yourself type position um again doing all the little things making sure you're there if let's say the team is coming in making your making sure you're there meeting the shuttles if you have a late night airport run you kind of get stuck on these things at like 11 12 o'clock at night picking up whoever um, so those are kind of the things. And it was sometimes a thankless job, but somebody had to do it. We, they, you, sometimes you forget how crucial you are to the process of things because it seems it becomes so monotonous and becomes so under the radar. Under the radar. And, you know, nobody thinks I was like, oh, like we're bringing in this person to try out and possibly make our team. But, how does this person get from the airport to there? You know, like nobody thanks you for this, but like, hey, none of this person's playing on game day, like starting the next game and things like that. So. But if you truly, I would assume if you truly do your job, you know, that individual, yeah. you've now established some type of relationship with exactly. them, not yeah. saying that you're hanging out at his house yeah. and things like that, but Almost there's enough. a level of trust. Almost and then, you know, you know, now you become kind of the guy that, he comes to with it with just different most, things most definitely most definitely and now that, that was kind of because i mean like you you it, it's very underrated to think about like oh just you know driving an hour from the airport the the relationship you can build with somebody like it you know one thing that stuck out to me that uh my managers told me one time was like you're the very first impression of the t- organization and it's kind of stuck with me i was like dang like yeah like First time the tech, true. they see me from the tech, they see the Texans as me because I'm picking them up from the airport. And like you said, like you develop that relationship, just like, hey, like, I appreciate you just picking me up at 11 o'clock at night. You know, they're apologizing. I was like, don't apologize to me. Like, this is my job. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, but um, I think it's important that people understand the mindset behind something like that because you mm-hmm. could very well could have been 
you know, upset about it or had a negative Most attitude, definitely. like Most I'm definitely. out my bed waiting to pick this guy up. Most you know, I don't want to talk to him Most and just. Most definitely. And like, I mean, and, and you're going to get some guys who don't want to talk to you. You're going to get some guys who are jerks. But, hey, you're, you still got a job to do. You still got to be a professional job. And like, hey, I wanted to, I want you to have the best experience that where you leave here. It's like, Dang, that guy was actually a good guy. Like, this is my first impression. So, like, if he's if he's deciding between us and somebody else and, like, yeah, I'm just a butthole to him, it's like, pff, I don't want to go there. Like, the rest of this team may be buttholes. Exactly. Like, I got to portray that image of being, hey, I'm recruiting you. Like, no matter how much you think, <laughs> like, my position doesn't really matter in the decision-making process, but, hey, I'm helping to recruit you to come here. I'm helping you to form, formulate that decision where it's like, hey, like, Hey, the guys there are great. Like, hey, I'll, I'll take off that extra couple of, couple of mil because, like, hey, this team, actually, they got people who care about you. So Absolutely. That's how I kind of went into the mindset of it. Um, and, yeah, and it did just kind of develop relationships with guys where it's just, like, lifelong relationships where, like, I still talk to guys today where I just maybe met them maybe, like, for a couple of weeks, just took them to the airport, hung out with them a couple of times, like, showed them around the facility, took them back to the airport, and, you know, this stuff was like, hey, da-da-da, like, where's, when they come back to you, it's like, hey, where's a good spot to go to eat? Where's a good spot to go here? Da-da-da-da. So, it's, it's You just cool. have to, I think it's just important that people are mindful that at, at every level or every position, there's an impact that could be made. Yes. And just being mindful of that, that th- doesn't matter the results, but I think typically just if you have your mindset of you wanting to make an impact mm-hmm. and just being truly a, you know, a good person, yep. like that stuff far it, it, it outweighs, goes it goes so, so much farther, so much further. Such a long way. And just being a good person to me, like you said, it's just, it goes heads and heels like you know, I just think about things where somebody's gone, gone up and beyond to just help me with something. Where it's like, not even just saying it's that that uh, crazy, but it's just like, hey, just I just need help with just filling out paperwork or just something. It's like, hey, I appreciate that. Like, it, you actually do appreciate it, and like that's what I always wanted to be to these guys. Um, and that was that was my whole. So once after my uh, after that um, seasonal position, I ended up getting the full time position. Um, as operation, so you're kind of doing the same thing, just more on a uh, more everyday daily level, basis. Daily uh-huh. basis. So now you're with the guys all day, twenty four seven. They call you at midnight asking for doing things, and you're restocking again. A lot of thankless jobs sometimes restocking waters, um, just making sure just facility is up in order, making sure everything is good for practice, <laughs> making porta potty, making sure the porta potties are changed out, and things like that. But it definitely, I definitely went into it, like I said, just with the mindset of like, hey, I got to make sure because like I want these guys to only think about football. Like this is my, this is my contribution to the team. I approach it just like I was still playing. Like, hey, you have a job to do. I want to go into this job, do it to the best of my ability and then get it done. And I felt like it was a great, it was a great time when I did it and had a great time being able to travel with the guys. Just it, like I said, like this is what I, when I got into the operations once the first time I was actually on the sidelines got to see the game from the sidelines I was like this is what I always went and dreamed of this is what I always envisioned where I'm just like it wasn't the dream that I thought I was going to have I thought I'd be suiting up and be on those sidelines but then I was sitting there I was like I'm still on the NFL side. Absolutely. I'm part of a team. Absolutely. And going from there. So. And I'm sure again your the journey wasn't what you may have thought it would been would have been but I think it's important that we recognize that yeah 
it was a process. And then, you know, just ha- having, you know, the mindset of trying to figure it out and might, maybe having to take a step back yeah. to kind of get where you're going. I think in, in the future, too, I think in a, you know, a future episode, we're going to dive into more of responsibilities, strategic ways that people can put themselves in position to, uh, you know, get just get noticed or to uh, get themselves in the, get their foot in the door. So exactly. we'll be able to kind of go from our experiences. Exactly. Just we'll exactly. be able to talk more in detail about that exactly. and uh, just give more insight about that. But again, so you were a seasonal loan intern, and so and how long did you stay? And then how what you know what was the transition after that? So after I did the seasonal internship, um, there was a few changes that kind of went on. Um, there was a potential for me to possibly get a full time position, um, but it was still kind of up in the air just because of the transitions of power and things like that. Um, so I honestly took it upon myself. I asked if I could come back an additional season um, as an intern. Um, I felt it was a good chance for me to move into that um, uh, full-time position once everything settled down and once all the um, dust settled from all the transition and things like that. Um, so I took it upon myself. I asked if I could come back for an additional season. And that season was kind of tough for me. Um Again, again, not that you start feeling above certain things, but, you know, it is a lot of grunt work. It is sometimes where, you know, again, like you said, it's sometimes it's a thankless job where, again, now at this point I'm 31 years old and I'm like, like, all right, like still making a minimum wage, still, I'm, I'm still dreaming about, all right, look, I'm ready to start my life. I'm still living at home. I was still living at home, living in my mom's house. I was like, I'm, I'm ready to start a life. I'm steady, you know, I'm thinking about these things um and so but again I still had that dream I still had that passion I was like it's gonna happen for me so I just kept working hard went through the season um but then it didn't it actually didn't work out for me um so at the end of that season I kind of left um my internship was over there wasn't a full time presented to me um it did kind of hurt a bit but um, you know, it, it, it did teach me a lot just about, you know, you're not always going to get everything that you want out of life. Um, my dream, like, again, when I, when I was set out, when I was in high school, I was like, I just want to be on an NFL sideline. Didn't say how. I, it, I just talked it in fruition. And I, I did that. Mm-hmm. I achieved that. Um, didn't think it would be in that manner, in that form, but I still achieved that. Um, so after that, um, ended up actually after I ended up leaving the Texans, um, kind of got me into a whole lot of other things. It made me think about, you know, all the different, um, all the different ways that I've helped impact the players, all the different things that we have, um, relationships that we've built just through the players and through, uh, sponsors, through contacts and things like that. I, I felt like that's what I was like, you know what? I have a lot more to give than just strictly being in the NFL. Um, and this is where this podcast has kind of arisen. Um, and, you know, just kind of our ideas on just kind of ways that, ideas that we talked about that we wanted internally in an organization to kind of take on. But, you know, it makes us think we're like, you know what, this this is something we can take on ourselves. And helping helping players outside of football, helping players with things in football and just kind of expanding their life into bigger things outside of ball and transitioning their life past ball and things like that so I mean I think obviously this is a passion project and also something that was an idea that's now coming to reality but I just want to make sure that we get the point out that although 
you know, it in 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 which that you may have thought, but the wealth of experience, exactly the relationships, like exactly. you mentioned, like there's so much information that the general public have no they idea. They, they don't, and it, it it's crazy. It's crazy. You think it, I was explaining? I'm watching the game last night. Uh, I was with some friends and just kind of explaining certain things on like it's like oh dang like you know just simple things it's like oh did they come back right after the game I was like yeah and then I just kind of explained to them the process, process right after the game what we do how we get them back to the plane how we got them food and everything and just like and it just kind of blew their mind they was like oh we thought they stayed like two three days after the game I was like no like we come back hours after the game <laughs> no matter where we are we're coming right back like on the think, bus back to the tarmac right back i think on the, the only teams that stay is like right after the super bowl i think that's the only teams that kind of stay one more night but that might be just the winning team yep. <laughs> so i don't even know that because i haven't gotten experience that operational yeah. aspect but um you know then you know just um especially on my avenue um all the things outside of just you know team travel and operationally just how a team gets from point a to point b um, just all the other little things you help take care of. Just, you know, again, like helping guys just getting their family transition down here. Um, let's say this certain player gets traded down here. Uh, they're trying to get their trucks in. They're trying to get family situated, you know, helping them find places to stay um, until they can find their um, their house and um, getting rental cars and stuff like that so their vehicles get delivered and just is it is so much little mm-hmm. technical things that you don't even think about where it's like dang like how does this you know you think it's like oh this person just got straight last week how did he get his head around this playbook so quickly with also moving his family down there with doing this with that? and that was what our job was to help him just focus straight on the playbook we get in contact with the family so his family isn't comfortable with us and trusting us to get all that stuff situated so he can just focus on just feeding his family. Awesome. And I think that's just, again, that's just some insight, but we will be able to give you more details and more day-to-day, yes. uh, day-to-day routines, day-to-day responsibilities yep. um, in another episode. But again, man, I think it was an awesome episode. I think we, you did a great job just kind of detailing your transition. And uh, we're going to wrap this up. Just let them know where they can find you. And uh, we'll wrap it up. Hey, hey, y'all can find me at uh, at gwade05. Um, find me on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. All right. Thanks again for listening to another episode of What's the Hype? Make sure to like, subscribe, and comment. Follow us on all platforms. What's the Hype podcast? Instagram, hype underscore EST19. Twitter, hype underscore Movement 19 and Facebook, What's the Hype Podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.